everybody and welcome to episode 7 of Journey Through Grill Island. I'm your host Zig and joining me is... Barry. Emma. Sarah. And today we'll be covering Taste the Radness, which took place on the 22nd of February 2004 and came from the Elks Lodge in Santa Ana, California, with another severely rounded up number, 135. Yeah. It looked like about maybe 100 people. It seemed, this seemed sparser than the last one. Yeah, definitely less. I thought it looked a little fuller than Tango Cat. But I suppose we are talking about the difference between a handful of people either way, I guess, because it looks like either way there's not, I suppose there's not a whole lot of people there. We did get an insight into how much the tickets cost, though. They said on commentary it was $18, which is a far cry from PWG tickets these days. Mm. Oh, yeah. The commentary is back, thank God. Disco Machine and Excalibur, our usual duo. So the big notable thing straight out the gate is that the entrances are now gone. There is no music. Yeah, I was like, oh. Because I think we got so used to it from the first few that we're like, I kind of expected it until maybe around 2005 to have have the music, I don't know. But you do miss it after having it for the past while. All the cheesy songs from the era. Yeah, the editing is brutal because it just, you come straight into it. Commentary starts without you even noticing it. Excalibur is in the middle of a story. Yeah. (laughs) And Which could have been a bit. Yeah. And people are already in the ring. No introductions, really. No, they hadn't figured out the entrances then introductions bit. They obviously yeah. still introduced people while they were coming to the ring. Well, the thing is, we don't know if that's on the DVD version or if this is High Spots editing. That was my that was my wonder. So yeah, we're all watching the the official High Spots version that's on their streaming network now. The commentary would fade in and he'd be in the middle of a story, but sometimes that would also happen like sixty seconds into a match, and I'm just like, is this is this just a weird edit they've done because High Spots have cut the music from their version? Like I don't know what the original DVD would have looked like. I don't know why this arbitrary moment in time they would have cut the music and that story started during the entrances or something like that. I don't know. The only thing that made me not think it was a high spots thing was because they added title cards to the matches mm. instead of the entrances and there was like not inside jokes but little inside references as well that I don't think high spots would have added mm. so like the first match which is Puma against Charles Mercury has New Japan versus Revolution Pro mm-hmm. and I don't think someone at high spots would go back and add that probably not yeah that was a very very of the time thing but it may have been mentioned in commentary that they cut out I let's I think we should maybe just get into the show yeah. I think we could spend all day talking about the differences the first thing Excalibur and Disco do on commentary is also reference how empty the place is <laughs> they're remarking that as you can see a full house <laughs> Puma's gear looks decent for the first time, he seems to have found a character and a look until the next time he changes it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think he ran with Puma for quite a while, didn't he? For a good stretch of time, he was mm. Puma. And he was in TNA and everything as Puma. I thought he looked good in the match as well. I thought he was kind of yeah. energetic. It was uh, That was the other weird thing about about all the TJP we've seen up to this point. It was all the different gimmicks. But also, he, he wasn't much of anything to write home about. Didn't, didn't you know... He'd obviously go on to have this really varied and, and really good career, but like these early shows, you couldn't get for a feel for him. Whereas here, he was like really solid opener, you know, energetic, put in a, a good shift. I suppose you can see probably the New Japan dojo. I'd say that was a big help for any of those guys who went there, like training all the time. You're bound to get better and better as the months go on. And yeah, it's nice to see an improvement. And 
like to be honest I have written down solid match nothing special mm-hmm. it was just a really solid opener but I got really distracted by the commentary talking about Bronson Missouri because all I could think of is I don't know if you guys remember the episode of the Simpsons where they go to Bronson Missouri yes that's all I had in my head so if there's anything that like really significant happened in the match I probably missed it no I think it was as you said a very basic match but in a weird way it showed some progression in Puma where in every other match he was just the other guy yeah whereas in this match Charles Mercury was just the other guy and it was Puma who was leading it and looking good commentary reference that Mercury was in his first year I assume that's accurate I, I, I wouldn't have any reason to doubt them so he's pretty good for that level I thought a Revolution Pro trainee I guess I don't know if there's a school associated with that promotion but... yeah the Rudos Dojo okay. I think it was called it was quite new I think at that stage yeah, it was the Rev Pro official training school I did get a little kick out of the title card New mm. Japan against Rev Pro this isn't Summer Sizzler maybe they got confused <laughs> England mm, okay oh, PWG ran you out of town okay so you have to go to England Excalibur on commentary is sick he has bird flu <laughs> apparently I think that was a more topical reference in 04 probably yeah. <laughs> so Puma gets the win by jumping tombstone so our next match is dubbed a street tug beatdown brawl between hardcore kids and big baby slim but before the match, oh, no. Mr. Kid has to talk for what felt like a solid six minutes. Just every cheap heat line imaginable about the audience and things like that. Do you have any of them written down? You've got a big smile on your face. He did a one good one where he's making reference to the lack of females in the crowd. And he goes, uh, the pecker to poontang ratio in here. <laughs> it wasn't rad. 95% dudes. All you'll taste is Kool-Aid. He's so lame. He's so lame. And he's still doing PW or okay. pro wrestling orangutan. Like, oh my. I always assumed because Jesus never spoke that he wasn't a promo guy. Mm. But that's all he is in PWG. He comes out, he cuts his. Unfortunately, so. Yeah. <laughs> cuts a little promo and then has a terrible match. <laughs> As he's running down the crowd, Baby Slim interrupts. Mm hmm. His entrance was in, yeah. so they must have the rights. <laughs> there is something that was cut out during Baby Slim's entrance because this was Angry Fan's last appearance, <gasps> but it never makes DVD. Oh. Um, he, when Baby Slim comes out, he starts yelling, you'll never beat Super Dragon, you'll never beat Super Dragon because Baby Slim and Super Dragon had a Rev Pro match a few weeks later and Baby Slim was like, you've got the wrong promotion, like sit down. He keeps going, he goes on and on. He gets so bad that his wife or girlfriend gets up and storms out <laughs> and then he has to kind of calm down a bit he does go a bit apeshit a bit later in the show but I think that was it for him really I just thought they had the rights to end the club <laughs> yeah that is strange oh, that they yeah. leave that in but and take out Angry Fan which we all want yeah. Super Dragon haggling with Interscope for one song the best one I thought, as someone that WWE would go on to sign, Hardcore Kid, he can do some athletic stuff in terms of like a big vertical leap onto the top rope. So I can see, obviously he's not actually any good, but I can see how a scout might look at him and go, okay, he's tall, he likes to talk, he can do a big jump. When he was doing um, the hedge to the groin, he hurt himself more than he hurt <laughs> Baby Slim. Like, you could see it. But well, we found out in commentary why that was. <laughs> the commentary in this match actually really, I love to the commentary there's a great line from Excalibur you know what they say about people who take shortcuts disco 
They got there first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and on commentary, uh, Excalibur tells a story about Joey Ryan and some of his business ideas. So Joey Ryan watched a Chris Rock stand-up special for the first time. <laughs> and bear in mind, this is 2004, and I'm pretty sure like the Chris Rock show came out 99 so it's already a couple of years old and like the bit has been done to death the toss salad bit in sort of Vince McMahon fashion Joey Ryan saw the stand-up special thought it was the best thing ever and wanted one of the guys obviously Baby Slim to start threatening to toss people's salad <laughs> and he wanted him to get a t-shirt on it that said I'm going to toss your salad and Baby Slim said to him no my keep a gangster t-shirt sell too well <laughs> Yeah, they were kind of the bullet club of their era. I mean, I would have bought one. <laughs> yeah. For sure. I do love, though, it's actually a good comparison, the Vince McMahon comparison, because, like, what was it? The first Pirates of the Caribbean, he saw, like, six years after it came out and then gave Paul Burchill the pirate gimmick. <laughs> <laughs> Joey Ryan, the Vince of SoCal. Um, <laughs> another good Excalibur line in this match. Uh, I don't know how these two gentlemen came up on commentary, but he said, Zoke Ray and Phoenix Star are bigger than Slim, but only in terms of star power in Mexico, which I like. <laughs> Yeah, so this was a bit of a brawl, but it's not really much to it. So Hefe pulls the ref out when Baby Slim has Kid beat, but Adam Pierce interferes and hits a vicious pile driver, absolutely spikes Slim on his head, and Kid pins him for the win. Hefe yeah. was very over, though. Yeah. Again. Very over. Yeah. So, yeah, what's the deal there? I'm wondering, yeah, is he, is he like, really great in Rev Pro and so he's in... Because I, I feel like, I feel like even since we've been doing this show, we've all said he doesn't seem to... He doesn't have a wacky sign like Vanderpile. He doesn't have a catchphrase. He just seems to kind of come out and stand there for the match. But he's super popular. Is he a local legend, maybe? Maybe, yeah. Yeah, maybe, a, you know, part of the furniture of the SoCal scene. Our third match is Los Hermanos de Cuba versus the Italian Connection. Uh, the Vanna Pitbulls against the Thomas Sallies. Question for you all. Is Rocky 3 the best Rocky movie? No. Yeah, I think it is. What? I'm a Rocky 4 gal. Yeah. Oh, wow, what? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, 4 is Oh, yeah, no, like... I'm thinking of 5, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. God, no. Yeah. With Tommy Gunn, yeah, oh, yeah. No. no, 4 is is the the montage with the you're taking steroids, but I'm in the woods. Yeah, yeah. Clubber Lang. I know, but I mean, I we're probably the real answer is probably 1, isn't it? Or Rocky Balboa, that was good too. I actually didn't see it. Uh, I've only seen the first one. <laughs> so that's oh, the best. That's great. Yeah. And the worst. I see the, the I've seen the new ones. With oh, yeah. Creed. Yeah. Oh, my, I haven't seen those. I thought the really second one very good. First I Creed like, is I good. I liked the first one. Yeah, so Rocky one is the best. I mean, that's the one that has the Oscar noms. I'm fairly sure. What's the it? one so, that he starts uh, beating up a big dead cow? That's four, I think. Yeah. Oh, okay. I've seen that one. That's the best. Because that's, that's that's against the Russian. The Russian. Oh yeah, yeah that's the best. Because the, the yeah. Russian, yeah. the Russian, like a real athlete's on drugs in a nice fancy gym, and I, then Rocky. Ivan. And then Dragon. Yeah, and that's Dragon. four. That's he four. Died, okay, that's the best. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, read the real answer was it's actually Rocky Romero. It's <laughs> Rocky. Um, I thought he shone in this match incredibly well. Just his technical ability is something that really just stood out to me in this match. Like shoulders and above everyone else. And I love Ricky Reyes. I think Ricky Reyes is incredible, but no, just shout out Rocky Romero. I think he's a very underrated talent. If given the chance, I think, you know, he could have been a big, huge junior star. Did a great hot tag. His fire was great and he was just so charismatic. 
he did the Lady of the Lake, which one of the commentators said I... was the best import since the Spice Girls. Yeah. <laughs> I loved that. I popped so big for that. And he flipped so it into cool. like a lapel lock as well. Yes. It was really cool. I will always associate Lady of the Lake with Rocky Romero. So good. We found out that Excalibur is moving to Philadelphia, yeah. um, which is not something I knew that happened. Not that I've kept up with um, <laughs> where he's lived. I don't know, I just assumed he always lived out there because he yeah. worked out there. We'll um, come back. We also found out that they're doing commentary at 11am in the morning because there's some iron drags and no alcohol was being consumed. So it kind of was like, oh, that makes sense of why the commentary is actually quite good and coherent and it's funny and engaging in terms of the match. Yeah, we find out that Excalibur, not a big drinker, but big into heroin. (laughs) And that he drinks bottled tap water out of a Fiji bottle. So that he looks like he can afford expensive water. Respect. So Rocky gets the win for his team, tapping Vito with a cross arm breaker. Our next match is grudge match number one, Mano y Mano. <laughs> Samoa Joe versus Shannon Ballard. Guys, why? What? Like, why? Because he injured him on the last show. Yeah, I was feeling kind of embarrassed. So like, are the other three going to know why this is a grudge match? Because I have no recollection of why it is. I honestly don't remember. I was more distracted by the fact that I know we've already referenced the the match subtitles on the graphics. It was very uh, emails from WWN Live about the you know how whenever Gabe does the match this thing, everything is called. If he hasn't got an actual billing for the match, he just calls it special attraction match or grudge match, even if it's really not. That's all I could think about because I couldn't actually remember what the grudge was here. What was Shannon Ballard wearing? Yeah, it was. No, it wasn't great. No, it's the worst so far. With like the neon, but like it wasn't really splats, but it wasn't, I don't know. It looked like, you know, like a heart monitor. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, that was it. Those lines. So Shannon Ballard attacks Samoa Joe, but because they dubbed the entrances, he does it to complete silence. And I think if he had the crowd noises in, it wouldn't have been that loud anyway. You really lack something when you don't have them walking out or you don't have their entrances. You don't know who the crowd's behind because, especially with PWG, people aren't established as heels or faces really ever. So you don't even get a sense from the crowd anymore who they're behind. Samoa Joe sets up the face wash, which Excalibur couldn't remember the name of, so he calls it the washboard. (laughs) But then he got a good line in when Joe hits the face wash and... Shannon falls out of the ring and he says the one man in the tub fell out <laughs> as far as Ballard matches go I thought this was okay I thought this is uh, at least it was, yeah, it was it was very Samoa Joe so that's probably fake praise for, for, for Shannon Ballard but uh, even though this isn't any kind of all time match I was watching it going this is, this is peak Joe this is 04 Joe going crazy he's just like you know beating the hell out of him doing the face wash it was great stuff to be honest I do have written the most interesting thing was Excalibur's belch Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was surprised Excalibur is from Detroit as well. I found out so much about this man oh, he's watching this famously show. Famously from Detroit. Oh, one of their famous sons, <laughs> yes, is he? Okay, yes. sorry. Kevin yeah. Nash, Motor City Machine Guns, Excalibur. Excalibur. Rick Knox went down at some point. Shannon Ballard hit a mean chair shot. It was only to the back, but it was a nasty chair shot to Joe. And then they got back in the ring and. To my surprise, Shannon Ballard won basically via an Eddie Guerrero type uh, fake out DQ spot where he threw the chair to Joe, acted like he got hit and Knox fell for it. And I guess this feud, this intense grudge will continue. 
There was that one great line in commentary on what planet would Samoa Joe need to strike Shannon Batters with a chair. <laughs> and that popped me big time because it's true. And we go straight into grudge match number two. The six-man war. Chris Bosch and the Arrow Express against Team Cheesemo, SBS. Super Dragon, Excalibur and Disco Machine. Uh, Scorpio Sky opened up with the promo which I just thought was pretty good good delivery good charisma and he talked about um, again some of this stuff that's kind of a little over my head the SoCal history Excalibur being left out of Rev Pro and namely because they already had Super Dragon and kind of implying that he was living in his shadow which I thought was interesting I thought it was an interesting dynamic for the feud so this seems to be like the new school versus the old school so it's the new school dojo boys basically which is Ariel Express and Chris Bosch for some reason um, <laughs> against you know the Rev Pro old boys though Disco Machine and Excalibur aren't exactly old when it comes to the dojo but yeah but they were trainers because Scorpio says they trained them yeah so I guess yeah. even if they're young they're probably there a while or something I don't know he also said Super Dragon started PWG out of fear of them taking over Rev Pro he didn't really have much to say about Disco didn't see him as a threat yeah he kind of said <laughs> I've got respect for you but you know you're with the bad guys now yeah. so Excalibur referred to SBS as SBS Inc LLC SBS Holdings <laughs> and assured us that the name SBS is funny but we'd never know what it was no one has ever found out what it is but now Quicksilver Scorpius guy and Chris Bosch are calling themselves SBS. Disco like, not wearing a mask. It's serious. Yeah. Don't <laughs> See, like, you can't call Shannon Ballard against Samoa Joe a grudge match. And then this, oh, grudge match number two. Like, this one has a lot more gravitas to it. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot more interesting factors at play here. Um, I actually thought, I, I, when I was, the match started, I was like, oh my God. Chris Bosch is not as good as I remember him being because I used to always hold Chris Bosch in a sort of high regard and then when they said he was celebrating his second year of wrestling by adding 15 pounds to his waistline I um, figured I was like oh I should probably stop being so hard on him like it's 2004 he has until 2007 to become the Chris Bosch that I know him as Terrible, terrible gear. <laughs> yeah. The worst yet. Mm. Sort of black with long white fringe, but all over the place. Yeah, it was awful. He also did this like, you know, when Kane leaves the ring backwards, mm. he did that onto Super Dragon into Hurricane Rana, but the slowest you've ever seen, and it just looked so bad. I think that's when I was like, oh, not as good. <laughs> yeah, not as good as Kane. Yeah. So during that promo, Scorpio accuses Excalibur of making racist comments and Excalibur then went on a very long I have black friends diatribe. On commentary. On commentary, yeah. Didn't convince me much. (laughs) Didn't he also say, I don't know if it was in this match, it was at some point in this car that he is surprised when he listens back to himself on commentary by some of the things that he has said. I can't believe I said that. And you're like, at least he was slightly self-aware at the time. (laughs) He also shouted out, Harmar Superstar, which is a name I probably haven't heard since 2004. I think Harmar Superstar started attending PWG in, like, around maybe 2012. I'm almost sure that he's been in the crowd a few times. Wow. While they're doing a commentary, Excalibur comes serious Excalibur again. <laughs> but he's talking about them in chin locks. 
and he talks about applying rest holds and he gives out to himself for using insider terms like he's Michael Cole <laughs> yeah, I love that he's annoyed at himself when he does that but he he doesn't think there's any problem with saying Chris Bosch Chris Bosch has SARS at one point during this match and Scorpio Sky had sickle cell anemia but you don't want to use insider terms Chris Bosch also has fatty syndrome <laughs> 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 Got him. But just about the match, I felt like the length was really unnecessary. So long. Because if this is meant to be a grudge match and you guys are meant to hate each other, not to sound, you know, really uppity about these things, but there is too much wrestling involved. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're coming out at the end of the lash out with fucking bricks and you're like proper actually fighting each other, cut 10 minutes off of this and I think it's perfect. Like, the end stretch when Charles Mercury comes out in the gorilla suit and there's shenanigans people are brawling everywhere that's what it should be not this contest for 10 minutes there was far too many pinfalls oh, and God. breaking up pins and that's all Disco Machine did was just break up pins yes. <laughs> yeah, I can't think of over and over again like you said Charles Mercury comes out dressed as the pro wrestling gorilla and he attacks Team Cheesemo, which leads to Bosch hitting Dragon with a chair and the Steiner screwdriver on Excalibur and pinning him. Which Excalibur on commentary says, Good night, Gracie. So the heels attack Team Cheesemo after the match and someone joins them. Top Gun Talwar betrays his friends. <laughs> I was devastated to see this and I really, really wasn't expecting it. And it was quite an effective uh, heel, heel beatdown as well. Excalibur taking just a monstrous chair shot to the head brutal chair shot to the head in, in the midst of it all also went maybe a bit too long yes yeah it, was, it also reminded me of something you said on the last episode where you talked about these shows being the Wild West because the heels do their beat down Excalibur gets the chair they're standing dominant in the ring and then Sky starts doing his promo again and then halfway through his promo chairs from off camera start flying into the ring Dragon is standing behind <laughs> fans picking up their chairs and flinging them over their heads into the ring that reveal I broke my bollocks <laughs> laughing at that because Brilliant. yeah the chair came flying in oh it was the coma gun as soon as oh dragon <laughs> like as soon as you saw it, like, oh, yeah, that makes yeah. Sense, yeah. and you can tell there was really no like intense agenting of here's how this segment works and then dragon you're going to come in two minutes into the promo it's like he starts but they go out they start hitting him with chairs they resume speaking then the X foundation comes out but it's not even that they chase off the heels they then fight for like three more minutes going back and forth changing the momentum of who winning the brawl it just keeps going I sort of felt like the chair throw was actually him telling them to wrap it up <laughs> like come on now we're, we're, we're done the heels get the upper hand and uh, X Foundation come out to make the save on the lads they set up a nice little tasty match for the next show then it's going to be Gorilla Games Survivor Series time. does Gorilla Games become something going forward this is the first time the only yeah. time I think so I think it's kind of nice though that it is the only time because it is the PWG 6 against these young upstarts trying to take over the company. Well, and the five because Talwar has defected. Oh, yeah, fucking prick. <laughs> 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 what makes it so good is Explanation and the lads don't like each other. So they're like, we hate each other, we hate you guys, but we have to team up because we can't let these fucks take over. Mm-hmm. And it adds that nice dynamic to it. But it also worries me, because how are they going to coexist? You worried there'll be even more treachery yeah. next month, or we're going to have to wait and see. And I like them all too much. 
that I don't like these guys trying to take over. I like the way they communicated that dissension by all calling each other cocksuckers for, yes. for two minutes after the match. Pointed. Point taken. Yeah, Scott Lost gets on the mic and challenges the heels. He says, Gorilla Games, Survivor Series rules, be there or be square like this cocksucker pointing at Super Dragon. So he wants Super Dragon to accept the team up. Hands on the mic, Super Dragon takes it as if he's going to speak. I just passes it to Excalibur, who says, "If you can find the time to take your dicks out of each other's asses, we'll fight with you." <laughs> that whole match segment afterwards was fifty minutes. Wow, that was long. I think it does bring another thing in, like yeah, like we say, the pacing of these shows. It got okay there for a while, but it, I think it actually just threw me off because it was just so long, and the matches at the start were so short. It was very top-heavy. What do you think of the storyline itself? I like it. It's the classic sort of dynamic of the the owners versus the new guys, the rebels trying to take over. I think it's really interesting because it keeps you engaged and there's many different characters. And you can be on either side. I don't think there's a right side and a wrong side. I think I'm obviously with the, the older crew because of my affinity for, for most of them in there. It's something to keep you engaged, and there's a bit of history. The title scene sure as hell isn't. <laughs> Shannon battered Samojo blood feud like. <laughs> so our next match is Scientific Wrestling 101. Brian Danielson against Bobby Quantz. I've never heard or seen Bobby Quantz before, but he was very good. He left wrestling to become a Navy SEAL. Yeah, he hasn't been seen since, except he um, killed Bin Laden. I played him. He never beat Super Dragon, though, did he? <laughs> he showed up. He showed up in two thousand nine. Did he? Yeah. Oh, with the body. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and still alive on pay per view. Is that how John Cena found out? Yeah. He oh, called him. Yeah. 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 Oh, oh, there you go. He said, "John, we got him." XPW roots. <laughs> uh, Bobby Quans did not kill Bin Laden. I'm very sorry. <laughs> <laughs> to the rest of Bin Laden's family he did show up in 2009 though we'll come to it I really think Bobby Quans if he stuck with it could have been huge because he had everything and I think he kept up with Dragon Hall the way in this match oh absolutely and Dragon trained him they said so I looked that up and do you know who one of his other trainers was who Jardy France wow <laughs> so Super Dragon trained him no American, American Dragon sorry Dragon sorry yeah no, a legend, Jardy Franz. What an eclectic background that is, Jardy Franz and an American Dragon. Yeah, obviously, like on the last show, we talked a lot about how great Dragon is. I thought he was great. American Dragon was, and he was great at this match again. But yeah, it was cool because Quance hung with him in a really convincing way, uh, which was nice. Uh, Quance did have horrible gear, I thought. I feel like that's a common theme, but yeah, yeah bad gear. Brian Danielson had the slick back hair look. I seriously could not stop thinking about how he looked like Chris Nowinski when he came out. Oh my uh, like, like like 2002 Harvard gimmick Chris Nowinski with the hair back. Well, that is obscure. <laughs> that is, I'm going gonna, gonna, I'm gonna to source some images for this to back myself up because yeah. I'm, I'm confident in it. I liked uh, Excalibur. He was talking about Brian Danielson in Ring of Honor. And he goes, I bought a Ring of Honor DVD. A lot of wrestling. Hours of it, in fact. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that pot be big. No, no half hour of people throwing chairs and trying to cut promos. <laughs> they did bring up Quance's sunburn, though. <laughs> yeah, in winter. Yeah. These poor 
pale boys can't steal <laughs> the California sun. At one point, uh, Danielson takes Quans down with a chin lock, and he gets out of it. And Excalibur goes, "Well, no one's ever won a match with a chin lock." To which Puro Expert Disco Machine butts in. Actually, Jinsei Shinsaki against Magic Man in Michinoku Pro, sir. <laughs> I loved that. You know, I just didn't expect it. He's shown hints of it before in commentary. Would just be like, "Excuse you, Excalibur. You're clearly not." watching your tapes (laughs) after that then I went and looked up Magic Man so he's sort of like this stalker Ishikawa guy who always lost in like seconds and like he had like a 20 match series with Shinsaki which he just lost in various different ways (laughs) he'd like you know give it the big and lose to the first move that sort of guy they did a suplex outside and Excalibur took the opportunity to say suplex on the concrete covered in cheap ugly ugly carpet which is very true this is a very unesthetically pleasing venue in general in terms of the colours and the, the materials it's uh, not much to look at has a nice little concession stand in the corner though which I, I really like which we'll, we'll see later Excalibur is talking about the amount of holes Danielson knows says he'd know more holes than guys in most locker rooms what about Dean Malenko <laughs> fuck Dean Malenko <laughs> <laughs> and then like backtracked and goes no no I'm sure he knows a lot of holes <laughs> Danielson took this with one of his holes an abdominal stretch a really good match I thought yeah lots of fun yes really really enjoyed it and that was the thing like I was surprised that I'd never heard of Bobby Quance because like as far as guys random guys as well that we've seen on these shows he's probably the best Bobby Quans has the best shooting star for us. He does. We'll hopefully see it at some point. He, he went for it here, but landed on his feet. Yeah, he did. I like this dragon one with the abdominal stretch. It's not quite a chin lock, but I think winning with that move is a very Brian Danielson thing to do. He also gave Quans a lot in yeah. this match. Really let him shine. Our next match is a PWG Tag Team Championship match, the X Foundation, Scott Lost and Joey Ryan, against the Strong Style Tugs, B-Boy and Homicide. It took me about six minutes of the match to figure out the, who the manager was at ringside, and I think that's only because her name was said eventually by the commentary. I did not know who it was. It was a young SoCal Val, who I didn't realise had SoCal indie tenure before her TNA run. I, I thought TNA plucked her from obscurity. Well, Why was she into obscurity. That's the problem. Without the entrances, without the music, it really was a good few minutes into the match before you see that there's a girl at ringside banging on the mat and she didn't have red hair. That's part of why I didn't read it. Also, you know, it's from 2004, so it's not amazing video quality. And I was like, is that an overzealous fan who keeps coming up and is slapping the ringside? And then eventually Ari is, okay, no, she's a manager in some capacity. She's going out with one of X Foundation? Did that, am I misremembering that? I think they said that. Well, I think the whole thing was she was Joey Ryan's girlfriend. Okay. Kayfabe. Kayfabe. There was a point where they confirmed something you've said previously, Emma, that while they're doing commentary, they are only watching the hard cam unedited version because there's a bit where Homicide has one of them draped over the ropes, but B-Boy is standing in the corner. So from the hard cam, they can't see. So they're like, oh, we don't know what's going on right there. <laughs> Match was solid, but I feel like it ended a bit early. I feel like it was picking up as it concluded, unfortunately. I thought the ending was an absolute mess. The last few minutes, just so clumsy. It really didn't make sense. I didn't enjoy it either, which is sad. I just don't understand why did they get a title shot. Yeah, I don't know. Who eliminated them? Oh, Super Dragon and... American Dragon. Yeah. So yeah, there's no real reason for it. It just seems a bit... I don't know, it just seems a bit soon. 
time the titles change like after you're a big long tournament yeah that's it like X Foundation did win the belts why would you have a two night tournament only to change the belts the very next show when X Foundation were in that tournament yeah. anyway with such a messy ending and no celebration afterwards because it just cuts straight away you kind of don't get a second to grasp that they've won you don't get to hear their music play it just pin end into the next match and only one Joey O-E-O <laughs> very faint I did like the finish itself though Joey Ryan reverses a shining wizard into a small package mm-hmm. the technical wizard who graduated from Hogwarts we find out on commentary <laughs> still the technical lizard to me there's one point there Scott Loss jumps from the turnbuckle to the outside and Excalibur goes the fans couldn't care less <laughs> <laughs> the fans weren't great for this show dead yeah dead. Dead. what was wrong because like, oh, I actually think like this show is really solid mm-hmm. it's really weird like, the company does not seem to be gaining momentum the crowds aren't increasing they're becoming less vocal if anything very unusual just random loud people but no sort of combined effort to support people so as you said uh, X Foundation are our new tag team champions and the championship action doesn't stop there as our main event is a come-as-you-are street fight for the PWG World Championship. Frankie Kazarian defending against Scrap Iron Adam Pierce. Another attack before the bell that we don't really get to see. Bit laborious now, to be quite honest. Again, what was Kaz wearing? I oh. thought he looked great. What I thought, am I? I thought this was his best look yet. I thought he looked like Steve Blackman. <laughs> I absolutely loved it. I thought Frankie Kazarian was turning looks and I was here for it. He got a little haircut, looked better, amazing. Adam Pierce uh, looked exactly like you thought he would for a street fight. And yeah. it reminded me so much of when Jericho turned up in mom jeans to wrestle CM Punk at yes. the Chicago street yes. fight. Yeah. Where it, because of the knee pads and the boots, it just looks like they're wearing waders, like denim waders. Oh, They are... So similar in that regard, Jericho and Adam Pearce, where that's the... They They're think, embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, they saw that shit that people did in Texas in the 70s. Yeah. They think that's the coolest thing. Pearce, to me, looked like a sort of unlicensed character that's supposed to be Nick Gage in a video game where they haven't paid for Nick Gage's <laughs> license. Like Pro Evolution Soccer equivalent of Nick Gage. Um, really bad. Put <laughs> his Pez reference. <laughs> Gamer guy. Very proud. on. <laughs> Jason Allgood attacks Kazarian with his crutch. Allgood was in the crowd, so he just looked like a fan, and then commentary points out, oh, it's Jason Allgood. Who has yeah. never been established. No. No, never been established, but wasn't even that established in... He was a local boy, known as the first Jewish champion of RevPro. But wasn't for long, and it definitely wasn't of note. Yeah, it made no sense. As far as I know, it doesn't come up again. It was absolutely bizarre. Like, okay, the commentary is a bonus, whatever. Yeah. But even if you are in the crowd, there's no way you'd have known who that was or what significance his role plays. Like, why he did what he did. And I, I think I think things like that are why. Also, we were talking there's a second about how it doesn't seem like PWG is gaining momentum. Like, as much as I'm enjoying like the Cheesemo feud, it's also not the clearest thing in terms of what the motivations are. I mean, I feel like this show gave us the most, but we're also several shows deep. Yeah, and then stuff like this where it's just you've characters just showing up and just doing things, and even the commentary, which we had the benefit of, and even they didn't really explain who it was. They just kind of said, "Oh, here he is." Like, you know. 
yeah, so I, I think that could certainly be hindering it. It's it's, it's not uh, not the clearest uh, storylines in the world to follow. I suppose at the time you had to think like, would they have ever have thought that these shows would be still watched today by people living thousands of miles away <laughs> without knowing any of the backstory involved? Probably not. No, but considering I think how many people are in that building. I think people outside California, they would have expected them to watch it, not just locals. If you're selling DVDs and you're flying in Brian Danielson and AJ Styles, presumably, yeah, you'd, you'd assume you're selling it to someone. Adam Pearce can, like, did another very 70s trope of having a chain hidden in his boots. Also got a seesaw spot to the balls, which is also very kind of old school heel getting his comeuppance. And in another intense... Kaz feud match they did comedy spots Kaz gets his hands on a football helmet he hits Pierce with it gets in the ring Pierce somehow ends up with the helmet on hits a spear goes to grab him but Kaz grabs the, the mask and pulls him down so Rick Knox throws the penalty flag <laughs> charges him for grabbing the mask Kaz throws the challenge flag and gets rolled up for a two count <laughs> I loved the the helmet fighting. I absolutely loved it. And I would usually hate stuff like that because I hate... If it's supposed to be a serious title match, I don't really like comedy spots. But I thought it was absolutely brilliant. <laughs> it's not like it was a great brawl before that point anyway. I guess it's not like they compromised a really great bloody because they were walking and brawling and there wasn't really a whole lot to it. The, like One of the most notable things I have is Disco's phone going off on oh, commentary that twice. Oh, so funny. And he had the most 90s ringtone as well. It was Screaming calls now. I enjoyed Adam Pearce stealing the popcorn, essentially, and then it going everywhere. It also made me very hungry for popcorn <laughs> at the time, so I went and made some. Thank you. Pearce sets up a table on the outside, presumably to pile drive Kaz through it again, but Kaz gets the upper hand and hit the worst wave of the future I've ever seen. It looked more like a judo roll. Mm-hmm. It was absolutely atrocious. A move I don't like in general because it always just looks like the least athletic Spanish flyer you've ever seen. He always looks like he lands on his head. Like, it's always terrifying. Yeah, and this was the worst one. As it's no DQ, Hardcore Kid comes in, hits a face buster on Kaz. Baby Slim comes in to aid Kaz and spears... A hardcore kid through a row of chairs. An absolutely vile spear. It was so cool. It was pretty good. Brilliant. Very, it was a really good spear. And I love a spear into chairs. Yeah. And then Pierce brought out thumbtacks, which I, I was not expecting. No. Yeah. Not really fitting, I didn't really think no. either. Usually I love them, but it, it just didn't make sense. No. Yeah, where are you going to get thumbtacks on a Chicago street? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a football helmet. Yeah, okay. The Bears are playing. They're called the Bears, aren't they? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Go Bears! <laughs> I'm not a fan of thumbtack spots anyway, but I yeah, I thought this was a bit... I love thumbtack spots, but only in like an escalation yeah. type thing where it made sense. This had barely any violence. No. Like, if it happened in the Joey Ryan Super Dragon Guerrilla Warfare, that would have made sense. But this was just, oh, this would be cool to do. Yeah. I actually think that's why it was fitting because the match was so all over the place, different spots pulling from different references and different things. There was no coherency, consistency to anything that they were doing. So it was like, why the, why the hell not? Put some thumbtacks in. That's another thing that people will remember because they're not going to impress people with their brawling. Leading to the finish, Kaz whips Pierce into the 
turnbuckle and of course he does the Ric Flair up and over yeah to which at least Kaz clotheslined him straight away mm-hmm. yeah and the Excalibur on commentary goes don't give him that little credit <laughs> that <laughs> Frankie Kazarian wouldn't notice that shit they tussle back on, up on the turnbuckle again after that Kaz wanting to hit his super wave of the future but he gets pushed off into the thumbtacks Pierce then hits him with a frog splash for the pin and he is our new PWG champion and we've wasted three months of our lives <laughs> essentially yeah yeah not exactly inspiring for things to come either because it's not like well the Kaz thing was a waste of time but at least now we've got a new guy as well as Adam Pierce, you know so who is his new contender Frankie Kazarian that's it it's probably yeah but that's <laughs> it yeah, no probably else. just continues there's no one else in hell really like because Smojo's locked in a blood feud so he's <laughs> <can, laughs> gone for a year um, that's embroiled there's the six man war for ownership and the only other person they really built up is former number one contender Baby Slim kind of yeah, yeah like he's, yeah. he's weirdly pushed and protected in, in a weird way as soon as the pin happens the show ends one's going for the, the music we assume so there's no even aftermath or you know time to take it in commentary just goes oh he hits the flag splash one two three and it ends cuts out an anticlimactic end to an anticlimactic reign yeah and two titles change like that's a bit weird no well at least yeah. Pierce Kaz had a bit of builds the explanation yeah. winning it was bizarre very strange were they getting it off b-boy and homicide because maybe they're like oh homicide's not going to be around like was like that's the only reason i can think of that they'd take the belt off maybe overall though i thought it was a, a pretty good show it flew by compared to the past couple we've watched yeah yes breezy and, and good mix of stuff you know you had joby and joe you had danielson and quants go and have a good technically solid match and you had your brawls and your, your head matches it was, yeah it was it was good stuff Commentary had definitely calmed down, so I suppose maybe recording in the morning without drugs and or without drink and just heroin has yeah it, it helps. Heroin is very common. It is. I hope they get better at editing. Yes. They do because we know they do. Yeah, but yeah, of course. I wonder when it's when they start to work they get, it in properly. They don't get better for a while. Yeah. Were we missing anyone on the show really? Zokre. Zokre. Yeah. Funky Billy Kim. Where are you gone? <laughs> yeah, already, is he gone? He's already gone, uh, is he? He, he will show back up, but like, Jesus, Joey Ryan, you want to go solo, but didn't work out for you. So like, right, you, it's me, me and you, Scott. Poor Funky Billy Kim out in the, out in the cold. Yeah. After getting a new look, he's gone. They have established a core roster. <laughs> the same guys are on shows now, so you are building a bit more of a rapport with a few of them. A few very random ones, like I didn't expect Hardcore Kid to still be around. Definitely didn't expect Baby Slim to still be around. Mm-hmm. Thank God he is. Oh, well, those Keep a Gangster t-shirts are selling yeah, too damn well. Selling too well, yeah, you know. What's next for the tag titles? Well, that's the other thing. They're going into this Survivor Series thing, so yeah. they're held up. Yeah. I mean, I'm very happy that they're champions, and I think if they weren't involved in that feud, there could be a plethora of things that they could do. And I suppose if you turn it down, they could maybe feud with... Aerial Express but aren't they not more closely feuding with you know Super Dragon and Excalibur I don't know the only thing and I, I don't know if they do team again but it was Double Dragon who knocked them out so I would like if they did a rematch down the line I think everyone wants Double Dragon yeah. matches in the future yeah. there's no live journal for this one I assume no I've checked Joe's live journal I now kind of use it as my bedtime stories to myself <laughs> he just said he had a good time we all had a good time, I feel. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that about wraps it up for this episode. We'll be back 
not next month because one of our members is going on a sojourn to Japan. Excursion. An excursion, a learning excursion. Yeah. So Sarah's going to come back with a new name and gimmick. <laughs> The, the great O'Flan. I'll come back with her in mat. Kimono. The next show we're covering will be 88 miles per hour, which is a show very near and dear to Sarah's heart, so we couldn't do that without her. If you do any show without me, I'll smite you all. Yes. <laughs> If you want to follow us on Twitter, our at is Gorilla Island. You can email us, gorillaisland at gmail.com. And our individual Twitters are at Zig on the Rocks. At the Barry Lad. I am at O underscore Emma G. At Sarah Flan. We will catch you next time for 88 miles per hour. Woo, bye. Bye.